Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Today, we're so blessed that you're joining us. Today is part two and the conclusion to a great interview with former Navy combat surgeon Jeffrey Wilson, who participated in numerous deployments with an East Coast-based SEAL team over 14 years. Now, he's the author of three award-winning supernatural thrillers, The Traitor's Ring, The Donors, and Fade to Black, and the acclaimed faith-based thriller, War Torn. He's also partnered with another Navy veteran, Brian Andrews, who served on a fast attack submarine and is the author of three critically acclaimed high-tech thrillers, Reset, The Infiltration Game, and The Calypso. Now, they're releasing a Christian thriller series titled The Shepherds that will make us think about what we truly believe is concerning spiritual warfare and the Christian response to a crisis. This is a fictional book, folks, but the battles depicted are not fictional, but real. Amen. And this is part two and the conclusion of what was an amazing and truly interesting interview for me. It was so great to finally get to talk with Jeffrey Wilson about this book series. And if you missed any and I truly mean any of part one, you need to go back and listen, as the conversation we had really was off the charts. Amen? All right, let's jump back into the interview now with Jeffrey Wilson and the Shepherd Series discussion. As Christians, we're called upon to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us a reason to give, you know, why why we have the hope that we have, you know, from 1 Peter 3. Why should a Christian... Or what I should say, what should a Christian have ready in their go bag for times like that when we may be called upon to go with no notice? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question. I've never been asked that, especially phrased that way. I love the context of it. Um it, for me, it's maybe even less about what than how, because I think what should go in your go bag is a little bit spirit driven. And I think that it might be a little yours might be your Christian go bag might be different than mine versus Mario's or Brian's or, or whoever. But I think that the, the, the real question is how do we make sure that bag is full? How do we keep that go bag full? Um, And I think that that's something that we as a church, and and I mean a a community of believers, the the real church, right? Don't always do so well um, because we're good at church. We're good at worship. um, We're good at hearing a message and we're good at, talking to our family and praying at night. But then what, what about those other six and a half days of the week? Right. (laughs) And so I think that for me, what I learned uh, is that if I want my go bag, my faith go bag to be full so that I'm ready to deploy it where Christ wants me, I'm ready to talk to that random person that intersects your life uh, and, and have my, my heart and mind open to how I'm supposed to encounter them. I have to be in community. I have to be. Not on Sunday morning or Saturday night in our case, because Mike Moore stole my children to his campus. And so now I have to do Saturday night service. But um, 
I have to be in community. I have to be in group. I have to be with my fellow believers. I have to be in that Acts 2 church, right? Where it mentions in Acts 2 that they went to temple together. And then there's like four paragraphs of all the other stuff they did. Sharing meals, caring for the widows and the orphans, uh, studying the, the Bible, and or not the Bible at that time, but sharing the, the teachings of Christ. They lived their life, their daily walk together. And so the way I keep my go bag full is surrounding myself with uh, other men and other couples of faith. Um, we do a Sunday night group together that's about family. I lead a Bible study on Thursday mornings. I have a leadership group on Tuesday mornings. And then I lead this men's military ministry. And that sounds like I'm giving. You and I talked about this before we started the show. I'm not. I'm receiving so much more than I'm giving in all the groups I lead because it's keeping the go bag full, just like the morning devotion, spending time in the word on a daily basis, doing some sort of devotion, having those quiet moments where you listen instead of talking and running your Santa Claus list, right? Those are the moments on a daily and weekly basis that allow me to keep the go bag full so that when God says right now, here's a crisis I need you to be involved in. I feel like that bag is good and ready to go. Well, I know, you know, also special ops, when they receive a mission, they'll go through rigorous practice sessions and preparation for the mission. And what preparations can believers take to always be ready to defend our position of faith? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, we, in the teams, what we say is you never rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of training. Um, and it becomes such muscle memory that the entire engagement's over before you really even have an opportunity to worry or think about it. Um, and I think that's right. And to me, that's that's time in the word, not just opening the Bible and kind of like you have to have some sort of structural organization to how you approach your uh, time in the Bible, whether it's, you know, getting the help of a of a devotion or the help of a Bible study. But you need to be reading Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs on a daily basis, yeah. um, because that is your muscle memory, right? Amen. When someone challenges, and, and don't just read it, think about it, argue with yourself. What does that mean to me? What does that mean in this season? Like I, I mentioned Romans eight twenty eight earlier, what it meant to me 30 years ago and what it means to me today, completely different. It's not because the scripture changed, it's because I changed. And God is so magnificent at providing context through our life for scripture in different seasons. And so I think that you've got to do something like that on a daily basis. You've got to be in the word so that you have the answers. And I'm not talking about banging someone over the head with a Bible and, oh, well, it says in Ephesians that that's not that effective. But you better be familiar enough with it that you can say, this is what God shares with us through his word. Having some devotion. I, I'm going to share this with you. I'm not in the habit of endorsing stuff, and I don't know this guy. This is just a... This is just a devotion I've been doing lately um, that has been incredible. It's um, it's written by a pastor and uh, a friend of his who went through a, sea, a dry season like we all do. And he wasn't even sure he could continue to pastor, he says in the preface. Not because he didn't believe, but because he felt a little bit like a hypocrite because he didn't feel intimacy with God. And so I've been walking through this devotion that's all about connecting in an intimate way with God. It's not about memorizing scripture. And I think you need to do both. I think that yeah. you have to have those moments with God. You have to be well-versed in scripture so that you're armed with the knowledge. Like this is right here. This is the armor of God, right? Amen. 
this is how we clothe ourselves for battle. And if you don't know your equipment, like, can you imagine being outside the wire and trying to figure out how an M4 works <laughs> once the bullets start flying? Like, oh, where's the safe? Like, you would never even worse is not to have your mag full or not have it and not have it full at all. Right. Like we talked about earlier. So um, I do think that it's something that we as a church don't always do well um, being constantly in preparation, filling the go bag. I really like that. I'm going to, you don't mind if I steal that, do you, Bob? I'm going to be, I'm going to be using that totally. Amen. Because those are those scriptures that, you know, something happens, boom, you know, you got to be able to respond with it. Not maybe not for the person, but for yourself. Yes. And, yes. and that's that's that, you know, you see something happening outside the wire, you need to take care of your sector right there. You know? Yeah, and I like the outside of the we're building all kinds of cool metaphors today. But <laughs> I like that outside the wire thing because I sort of think um our our time here on earth, that's outside the wire. You know, the kingdom is where we're going to end up. That's Amen. our safe place. Yep. But God didn't call us to be here. Pastor Craig, Craig Altman is the, uh, is the lead pastor at Grace Family where I attend. Um, and he's, he's an amazing human being and insightful. But one of my favorite things he ever said was, look, if there was nothing that God had for you to do, you wouldn't be here. You would yeah. give your life to Christ. There'd be a puff of smoke, maybe a trumpet, and you'd be gone. Exactly. You're here outside the wire, outside the kingdom, because you're in a battle for the souls of others. Great. You're, you know, your bags on board, pull up the ladder is not how we're supposed to do it. Hey, I want to share the gift that I've been given and save as many people before the end as possible. So I think our whole, our whole walk is outside the wire. Uh, So yeah, prepare here in your safe space and get to work. Amen. In your book, you reference the story of David and Goliath in this situation. And, and David went to see his brothers just to take him some cheese and snacks. He had no idea he was going to make history that day. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that we so often we feel, I think most of us identify with baby David more than we do King David, right? We all feel inadequate. We all feel unprepared. I think the lesson of David uh, is that you can you fall into that trap of rationalizing your inadequacies, or you can accept that you're inadequate, but God isn't, and that you're a vessel, and the Spirit will guide you. And that's what David did, right? David didn't say, "Oh, I'm way tougher than that guy." He said, "I have God on my side, and even a scrawny kid like me can succeed." Um, Jacob and Caleb, another great example, right? When everyone else was saying, "Oh no, dude, there's there's a lot of those guys." Joshua like, Caleb. Yeah, but God's not over there. Yeah. We got God, right? So um, I think that's how we applied the David story, that part of the David story to our own life is like, it's not about you. Yeah, you are. Guess what? You are inadequate. Your instinct is correct. You're completely <laughs> inadequate. But through Christ and an intimate relationship with him and being open to this Holy Spirit and, and the urgings of the Spirit, we are no longer us. We are us with God. And that's never inadequate. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, in the military, things are not always as they appear. I mean, you may be on patrol and something seems just not right. For example, you may be entering a town or a village and it seems peaceful enough, nothing going on. And then you notice it's too peaceful. Yeah. I hate there's, there's, there's nobody <laughs> in the street, no kids running around. 
or he may see some kids at the far end of the street watching you and they got their ears covered, Mm -hmm. you know, on patrol. These are all cues that you need to pick up on and be aware of immediately as a believer. We also have to have a sense of what's happening around us that our physical eyes see, but I should say cannot see, but our spiritual eyes can. Can you share some examples of situations you may have experienced and and relate that to how believers should respond to these invisible spiritual forces that may be trying to ambush you? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, and, you know, the wartime examples are are big, um, but it doesn't have to be big. And it comes back to what we were saying earlier about being open to the Spirit, being in Scripture, being in prayer, because God is always talking to you. You're just not always listening or able to hear because you haven't prepared your heart. Um, you know, I can tell you when we wrote the um, the first book in the Shepherd's Dark Intercept, I shared it with a buddy of mine who's in leading one of my campuses at the time he was uh, for this military group. And um, he came to me after the next group. He said, hey, I got to talk to you. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we went off to the side. He said, look, this, this book is, this matter. This book really matters. He said, I got to tell you a story. I've never told anyone. I said, okay. He was like me. He was a believer. He joined the military. He had some really bad experiences and he wasn't sure where he was with God. And he tells me this story. He said, we were, we were, uh, he was SF. And so he said, we were supposed to hold and secure a perimeter around this mosque where we knew this bomb maker was supposed to be. So we're there and we're, we're holding this place and I'm with another guy and um, we're waiting for the guys to go in and talk to this guy. He said, I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to move. He's like, I had orders to be where I was, but I, it was like so loud in my head, move, you've got to go. He said, and I remember thinking, well, which way should I even go? And he looked up and there was a, uh, a power line. And if you've been to the Middle East, it's, they're a little less organized than ours, but there's a big power line. And all of a sudden, all these birds take off. Uh, this is a true story. And then all of these black crows are start flying and one, and they're going in all directions. And one white bird is in the middle and goes off to the left. So he says, dude, we got to go. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? We're supposed to hold this position. He said, come with me right now. They move in the direction that the white bird went. And moments later, the mosque blew up. Mm. And had they been there, they would have both been killed. Mm. Um, And it brought him back to his faith. And I can tell you, there's dozens of stories like that that have been shared with me, some of mine, uh, where I look back and say, wow, that was a God moment that I didn't even know about. Um, Those big, gross examples are fun to talk about. But what they should be pointing us to is the little things in our everyday walk, where it's just like, hey, say something to that guy. And then you find out this guy you've talked to a thousand times is in the middle of a divorce or he just lost a child. You only know that because God told you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that those moments are real, but you have to prepare your heart to receive them. Yeah, amen, amen. Now, in war, there's times when non-combatant, non-combatants are affected by the battles we face. And it's unfortunate, but it's also a reality of war. And we try to minimize those incidents, but there will be times when it's going to occur. It's called collateral damage. Can you give some examples when we may be faced with collateral damage in the spiritual battles that we may have to fight? 
Oh, I think it happens. I think it all happens all the time. It's sometimes a result of some of those physical collateral things that you see that make us go, where is God in this moment? Right. I think the, the collateral damage uh, that we experience, whether it is, is all about unintended consequence, right? That's sort of what that is. Um, on the spiritual side, we see it and it, it makes us question what we're doing or how we're doing it because we're looking for this man-made concept of, of fairness. And that's a real struggle. Like, you know, back to what we were talking about before, where's God in the murder of a family in the desert or uh, loss of good Christian men in a, in a battle, like they were believers and they, they were fallen as a result of this enemy engagement, whatever. I think that the collateral damage is to our spirit in those moments because we're looking for something that isn't promised at all. We're looking for the fairness. Well, it's not fair. He was a believer. And here's this other guy who's a complete, you know, and he's fine. Or the yeah. guy whose business is flourishing through all the shady deals and the good Christian business owner is struggling, struggling, struggling. He can't get ahead. And we're spiritually damaged by that because we're looking for fairness. Yeah. And I would challenge believers to find fairness in the promises of God. It's not there, not yeah. here. There's a promise of justice. Yes. There's a promise of grace. There's a promise of intimacy and guidance and all of these things. But fairness is not in the Bible. And why is that? It's because we live in a fallen world. So my feeling is that spiritual collateral damage comes because we're looking for something that wasn't promised um, because we forget where we are. We're outside the wire, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in the world. And um, the greatest gift that God ever gave us is also our greatest curse, which is free will. So free will only works if everyone has it, and it only works if it's unconditional. So God has given us the gift of saying, you can choose me, but that means you can also not choose him. So the example I like to give of this is when some guy go gets, goes out and gets drunk, gets in his car and drives and crashes into a building and gets hurt. Most of us are like, wow, that's sad, but you know. You made a bad choice, dude. Like that's a consequence of your behavior. Same guy goes out and hits a six-year-old. Now we're like, whoa, that is so unfair. And it is unfair. But the problem is God does not protect his children, his believer children, from the bad decisions of the non-believer children, because to do so would be to remove free will. And so we have to take the good with the bad. We know that there's justice in heaven. We know it'll be fair there. But in the meantime, we're forced to live here. And to tie it back to Romans 8, 28, that was the epiphany I had in my journey that brought me back to God was Amen. looking at that verse a little different and saying, it doesn't say everything will be good. It said, no matter what garbage you do walk through, if you'll surrender it to me, I will bring good from it. Amen. And the hardest part of that is you have to realize that good he brings from it might not even be for you. Yeah, it's for the true. kingdom. It's for yeah. God's glory. It's for all of his children. And some of your suffering will help others and won't help you at all. And these are difficult, difficult, next level maturity Christian le uh, things oh, yeah. that we have to learn yeah. to protect ourselves from the collateral damage to our spirit by living in a fallen world. Amen. Amen. You know, we mentioned earlier about the SEALs and special ops. And for that matter, just about every combat arms unit in the military, they practice. They practice and practice and practice and practice some more. In the CAV, we used to quip that, you know, we practice being 
wet, cold, hungry, and miserable so often we become experts at it. <laughs> now, soldiers carry their weapons with them. They practice and become proficient to the point that they can react and put rounds on target with almost no notice, and it all seems like an automatic response. You, know, you referenced muscle memory before. As a believer, I think some of the practice we need to do is actually to live the life of faith, to become witnesses for Christ, because we never know when that calling will manifest in a true spiritual battle. Amen. For situations like that, what role does prayer and preparation in the word play in the battle, and how can that be applied to spiritual warfare? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything. First of all, you can't fight an enemy that you don't understand, right? Yeah, so one of the things you have to do as a, as a warrior is to understand your enemy, understand their tactics, so that you can be prepared to counter that. If we accept that we live in a world where good and evil are raging against each other in a spiritual realm, in which I believe because it's, you know, I don't have to make a decision. It's in the Bible, right? So yeah, uh, word of God tells me that's true. Um, sometimes we don't like to talk about it. Sometimes church doesn't like to teach about it because it makes people feel weird. Um, we've sort of become a feel good church as a community. But if we accept that those things are real, then how do I prepare for that battle? I have to first understand it, which means I have to be in scripture. I have to learn about it. I have to study it. I have to be in conversation because a lot of times God talks to us through scripture puts the exclamation point on it through the counsel of a friend or through a study or a group or a pastor or a close encounter. So our wives, in my case, she's the one that brings all the wisdom to me. So um, I think that the biggest way to prepare for that is to be in the word, to be in conversation, to be in discussion about these things, because the spiritual warfare aspect is real. I don't believe that God created man with a black evil heart and that there's evil men and, and good men. Mm. I believe we're all the children of God. And that's a hard thing. That's a whole nother conversation, accepting that, right? <laughs> um, that God loves that guy just as much as he loves you. That's hard. Even but, if we don't like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he wants him to come to him. And even though you're here, he still loves that other guy. But um, the point I'm making is that if you're going to accept that, that these things are going on and you accept that God created us in his image, then how does that happen? Well, that happens because of the dark spiritual forces that rage against us. And we protect ourselves from that as believers, but we can't protect ourselves. We can't pray away the fact that other people didn't make that choice and they are being led astray by evil forces and we may suffer consequences as a result. Um, you know, I believe that the devil has been involved in every major conflict we've ever had Absolutely. because then people like us who have seen it, it shakes the faith of some of those people and anything he can do to chip away at that, he will do a hundred percent. Amen. Well, Jeffrey, as we get ready to close, I want to shift gears really quick and have you share about your passion for our military veterans and the ministry you lead in Tampa, Florida. Tell us about your ministry there. Well, I'd like to say that I'm an inspired uh, philanthropic guy, but that's not the case. I think that like so often happens, I uh, I approached uh, Pastor Craig at Grace Family Church and asked if I could launch this group because I needed the help. Um, and I knew that I needed to be surrounded by uh, people with the same struggles. And I think that's sort of the key to the ministry that we're doing. And you're seeing it in a lot of churches now, uh, men's military groups or or military groups for men and women. Um, the PTS Foundation, for example, to give them a shout out. They're amazing. They come into communities and churches. But what have we learned? We learned that it's very difficult for someone who has suffered the trauma of war 
to sit at a men's group or a women's group with people who haven't served and talk about the time that Johnny died in their arm. Like it's, there's no context and it's uncomfortable. But when you get us back together in a group of like-minded people who have shared experience, now we can open up. Here's what I learned about uh, military ministry that I didn't expect. I expected we were going to do like, so a little bit of fellowship and then talking about all our hard experiences. It turns out that this group of, of people, they have a difficult time connecting about any issues with people that don't share that experience. And that's part of the PTS uh, thing that, that we struggle with. So we actually spend probably 50 or 60% of our time talking about the one guy's kid who is, you know, struggling with something or where to go to college or should I take this job? We're talking about, in other words, we're talking about everyday stuff that any group would talk about, but we're able to do it in an intimate way because of that shared experience. Yeah. Um, most churches have a, a, a business man's lunch, right? Where business people can come together and network a little bit, but it's also a place where they can share their experience. And they open more because they have a shared experience. And this is no different than that. And so at our church, we've grown this to, uh, we're a multi-site uh, church, 15,000 people, seven campuses. We've grown this now to where we're present on four different campuses and, and continuing to grow. And then Brian and I, because we have such a passion for this, have tried to grow it beyond that. So we work with uh, Folds of Honor through our friend John Rich in Nashville. And we've been able to support that organization. I don't know if you know Chad Robichaud or have ever had him on your show. He's a Marsoc Marine who leads, um, he has a, a, a nonprofit uh, called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Check that out, by the way. Okay. And right. they take men and women who are struggling with PTS and they do a very faith centric, uh, they'll go out into the woods and, and do stuff. So they do these retreats. They do retreats for couples. If you know Tom and Jen Satterley, uh, they do the same thing for families. Um, so we have been very intentional about using the platform we've developed to spread the word about some of these great organizations, uh, to help raise money for them, to support them publicly, to even be involved in some of the work they do. But God has given us a great blessing in the, in the life that we now live, uh, through storytelling. And this is the way that we can pay that forward a little bit. Amen. Praise God. Jeffrey, this has been so interesting. How can someone order your book series, The Shepherds and, and your other books? Uh, I take it they're on Amazon, correct? Yeah, our books are everywhere. Wherever you buy books, you'll find right. them there, uh, including The Shepherd series. Um, but the easiest way is to just go to our website and there's links to, you know, at the bottom of every one, you can go to whatever. We like to support independent booksellers whenever possible, but Amazon links are there, Barnes and Noble. If you go to andrews-wilson.com, um, there's a page for all of our different books. The Shepherd series is definitely there, uh, as are our other books and information about us. The fun thing about our website is we're very interactive. So if there are people that read our stuff and have a comment, there's an email thing and we post things. We have a little board of pictures that have been sent to us from fans. It's really, really fun. So we'd encourage you not just to go there and find out more about our books, but get to know us and interact with us a little bit. Cause that's really the joy of what we do. Amen. So someone to reach out to you to ask a question or maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How do you want someone to get in touch with you? Is there a contact? Uh, they can, again, they do it through the website, andrews-wilson.com. There's an email link. You just click on that and compose your email and it comes right to us. Um, if it seems slow, we, we do really do, I think, read all the emails. Um, but 
you know, now as we've grown, it's a little bit harder. So if it's been a couple of weeks, you're welcome to send it again, but we are trying. I promise we're trying. Amen. So, um, Amen. But I'll we do links. interact and we respond to those emails. So Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'll put links, all that in the show notes below folks. This battle's real. The war is real. The good news is Jesus already won the war. We're simply the mop up crew, right? Amen. We're called to go in and occupy until he comes back. But the enemy is also real. And he did not enjoy losing. He's still active in this earth. Just look around and watch your evening news. But again, Jesus has equipped us with everything we need. The book series, Tier One, Sons of Valet, they are awesome. But you definitely need to order your copy of the Shepherd's Book series as well and find out how to win the spiritual warfare battle that you are called to fight in. Amen. Drop down the show notes. Click the links right there. Give all glory to God. Jeffrey. I thank you for your time today and joining us. I I could keep going because this has been so interesting, but I got to have you come back on again sometime and talk about your other book series as well. Because I just Any, enjoyed anytime. It was my honor, Bob. I'm my honor, truly. Amen, folks. That's all the time we have for today. For Jeffrey Wilson, myself, is Pastor Bob, reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.